G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. You know, as Israel's war with Hamas continues to dominate headlines, our thoughts turn to the many nations where radical Islam continues to persecute the people of the book. I'm talking about Jews and Christians. Well, 10 years ago, the self-proclaimed Islamic State, or ISIS, began marking Christian homes and churches with the Arabic letter N. It's pronounced noon uh, when its fighters overran parts of Iraq. The symbol N, or noon, stands for Nazarene, and it marked buildings as belonging to Christians and served as a threat to all believers in the area. Voice of the Martyrs is raising awareness through a virtual event that's coming up called I Am N, featuring first-hand stories from three Christians who've paid the price for advancing the gospel in other places dominated by Islam. Tony Benjamin is CEO of Voice of the Martyrs in Australia. Tony's joining us. Tony, welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for having me. Tony, tell me about the noon or the letter N. How sinister, how significant is that? Look, it's quite significant. Um, The letter N, although centuries old, has never really been used publicly until ISIS came through the Nineveh Valley and uh, marked the homes, as you so rightly shared. So um, this has become synonymous with that period of time and those events in the Middle East. And, you know, we've created a, uh, a shirt with that, let, with that symbol on, and it's amazing how many Arabic-speaking and Middle Eastern people recognize that symbol. To us in the Western world, the symbol wasn't really used or known up until then. So wearing a T-shirt with the noon or a letter N, an Arabic letter N, uh, that's actually, while a symbol of, really, I'm going to get to this too, but a symbol of extermination turned around to be a symbol that says, wait a minute, I am N, and it's not just me alone. There are a lot of people here who will stand in solidarity against this sort of dreadful pursuit of people who are of the book. That's correct. It's almost become a symbol of pride, if I can call it that. We're proud to be Christians. We stand strong as Christians, and we're not going to be taken advantage of, or you can't eradicate us. And I think that is what it's become for us as um, Christians in the Western world, but also within the Arabic world. Is there some similarity or alignment, Tony, because as you're describing the letter N or this noon that we're talking about, um, a little bit aligned with marking Jewish homes in the Holocaust, uh, that's where we might historically see this sort of thing happening. Is there a similarity here? Look, I would like to think there's a similarity. It hasn't been used 
or this type of action hasn't been used widely before in that context outside of the Holocaust. Um, it's a long bow to draw, but I do believe exterminating human life for their faith. I think there's definitely a similarity there. I know that some will be uh, really challenged. It's quite confronting, isn't it? To think that a symbol might be painted onto your door and it marks you and your family for extermination. Some people might be thinking, surely that doesn't happen. But I guess the ISIS history shows that it is the case. That That's the sort of thing that happened. Yes, it, yes, it is, Neil. And when you've um, had the opportunity, like... I have to connect and visit with uh, refugees that have escaped that scenario. Like, it really brings the horror home of how people were given no time whatsoever. If your home was marked, you were marked to be killed. So, you know, we're living with the aftermath of that more than 10 years later in surrounding countries like Jordan, um, Lebanon, and so on, where refugees are still stuck, stateless and homeless, 10 years later because of what happened then. Is it true, Tony? Just let me put this scenario, because uh, obviously not everyone, even in the Muslim world, in the Islamic world, uh, is going to have that sort of heartlessness that aims at extermination. But in your thoughts here around Islam and the thought of people who are uh, subjugated under because they are not uh, believers, because they're not Muslims themselves. Um, the thought that you either convert or you pay a tax or eventually be killed because you are aligned to Christian faith. How do you describe the way that that sort of works in in the reality? Look, in the reality, if you look at what's happened in Afghanistan since two years ago. That is a very active, consistent, known that it's happening today and it continues to happen and it seems to be an ever-growing phenomenon. Not only in Afghanistan, we're looking at places like Indonesia, Pakistan, even in India today, it's happening exactly like that. So, um, you know, that's the sad reality of Christians in persecuted countries or in restricted countries. This is becoming an ever-consistent, present phenomenon. Now, I've got to draw attention to an event you've got coming up, a virtual event. People will be able to dial in or uh, enter on their computers and they'll be able to participate in this event, um, marking people for extermination. And you've got some stories that you're going to tell and you've got first-hand storytellers, a lady named Heather Mercer. Give us a little insight here into her story. Yes, Heather Mercer was a, a young lady that, um, with an organization, decided to go to Afghanistan to share the gospel. This happened before 9-11. And um, when 9-11 happened, she was actually caught up in Afghanistan. And as you can imagine, the whole world went crazy when 9-11 happened. I can still remember where I was when that news broadcast came through, and Heather Mercer found herself caught up in that, was arrested by the Taliban, and she and some of her colleagues, the Taliban were using as leverage 
to make an example of them to the wider world. This all happened when the U.S. decided to go into um, Afghanistan and retaliate against what was happening there and in Iraq also. So she was caught up in all of this. So she tells a story of God's provision, God's protection, and how God actually used her during that time. And as she describes it afterwards, when, and I don't want to give too much away of a story, but when they were actually, um, when they escaped and were rescued and were taken back to the U.S., as far as the U.S. concerned, it was a little bit of a victory that they got away, that they were actually able to save somebody. The unique story about the other Mercers, it doesn't end there. God has actually um, used her to go back into the Middle East and continue to share the gospel. That's what makes it such a remarkable story of God's providence and his protection over her. And the similar stories are with the other speakers that we have at this event that we are seeing. Significant too to draw attention to the organisation that you lead here in Australia, Voice of the Martyrs, because when there are cases like this, I know that Voice of the Martyrs uh, will be one of those who become advocates for people who have been tried for crimes like this in places like Afghanistan or uh, back to Iraq or in Syria. Uh, advocacy and prayer and uh, some help from whatever military or foreign governments. No doubt there's a whole lot of things that happen, but uh, but the advocacy is very important, isn't it? Because nations don't like to, uh, you know, they feel like um, it's dishonourable if everyone thinks ill of them. They try to save face. Any, any thoughts around the way advocacy works? Yes, Neil, look. You know, we have to get their story out. And sadly, with the mainstream media, mainstream media quickly forgets once the news cycle ends. Whereas with us, we continue to provide the support, continue to create the awareness, and continue to lobby for these people in the situations that they found themselves in. And I can think of a number of them just off the cuff that we are still lobbying for some five, six, eight, ten years later, you know, And it's important that we bring their story to the fore. And it's important, as we say, that we remain their voice and so that they're not forgotten. Tony, is this, I mean, just telling her story, but is this a reminder to all of us that faith is very costly? And sometimes, and there are some believers, and maybe it's uh, any of us at any time soon, may find ourselves in circumstances Uh, where there are very, very difficult conditions like this, faith is costly, isn't it? It certainly is. God's word says that if we follow him, we can expect this to happen. So, yes, there's a cost to be paid. It's not all um, roses, but the great reward is that our God promises us that he will protect us, he will take care of us, and he will continue to bless us through those trials um, that happen when we faithfully follow him as these people are doing. Well, Heather Mercer's story, no doubt, uh, will pique the imagination of some listeners. Uh, she told her story in the book called Prisoners of Hope. 
these days, uh, she's back in the sort of mission role that she is used to and working in the Kurdish region in Iraq. Uh, is that something that typically happens? Uh, someone goes, uh, tried for a capital crime and uh, they get released uh, and then back into the mission field? Is that something that's fairly common? Look, I don't think it is very common, but we find people as unique as Heather Mercer, they do do that. And that is really great because, um, you know, it just shows their commitment to their faith. It shows that they're honoring the calling God has put on their lives. But it also but it also shows the depth of their faith, which is something that we can certainly take uh, um, take some sort of relief and some sort of comfort from, yeah. Now, this event you've got coming up, Tony, it's called the I Am N event. Uh, there is a website, imnevent.com. Uh, what should listeners expect if they get in touch with you today at Voice of the Martyrs? Look, I think listeners can expect some great worship by Steve Curtis Chapman and... Um, some of the people that we have in there are John Samara and we've got Hassan Abdurrahim also who've been in these situations and their testimonies are amazing. Let me just correct you with that website there. Go to Voice of the Martyrs Australia and you can use the link from there. That is actually the US link that you quoted. We want them to come to ours, not the US. <laughs> and um, if they do that, um, they can they can register for free. And we'll send them the link just before the event happens. And that all happens on the 9th of March. So the 9th of March, that's a Saturday. Uh, Time-wise, noon, Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Uh, Registration is free. And I know you're encouraging churches to host an event at your local church. It is the virtual event. It's called the I Am N event. And uh, as Tony says, voiceofthemartyrs.com.au to register to be a part of that event here in Australia, voiceofthemartyrs.com.au. Tony Benjamin, CEO of Voice of the Martyrs. Tony, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you for your time, Neil. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 